life gives you exactly what you need to awaken. Welcome back to the Neuroscience Meets Social and Emotional Learning Podcast, where we bridge the gap between theory and practice with strategies, tools, and ideas we can all use immediately applied to the most current brain research to heighten productivity in our schools, our sports environments, and our modern workplaces. I'm Andrea Samadhi and launched this podcast to share how important an understanding of our brain and our mind is for our everyday life and results. For today's episode number 266, we'll be speaking with psychologist Darshan Pandoria from the United Kingdom, who contacted me around the time I was working on part four of the Silva Method book review. While writing this final part of this review, I mentioned I had no idea just how deep the Silva Method would take me. This final part of Jose Silva's book review sat opened on my computer, unfinished for more than a week, as I knew there was a lot to this book that I was still learning myself. My hopes were that this review would help all of us to improve our meditation practice and give us more capacity, especially how we approach stress, problem solve, or use our mind for creativity and innovation in the new year, And in Darshan's introduction email, he let me know that he had trained nine months as a monk. Darshan's email came at the perfect time, allowing me to dig a bit deeper and ask him the questions I had after completing this book review. I want to thank everyone for the feedback that I received on this review of the Silva Method from all around the world. I know this is just the beginning and we've only just scratched the surface of this topic. So I will be planning other episodes to go into the Silva Ultramind online program, as well as have Darshan back on future episodes. But for now, I wanna welcome Darshan Pandoria to our podcast, where we can dive deeper into the ways we can use our mind in new ways in the new year for improved health, productivity, creativity, and innovation. Welcome, Darshan. Thank you so much for reaching out to me with perfect timing. Where have we reached you in the world today? Oh, so yeah, I'm in the UK, uh, in London. Yeah, so the city. Well, I have some friends in London, and I don't know if you knew that I was born in Worthing, Sussex. Oh, fair enough. Yeah, I don't have the accent anymore because I um, immigrated to Canada when I was just little, but uh, I do have lots of family over there and friends. So welcome, Darshan, to the podcast. Oh, perfect. Thanks for having me. Well, I just mentioned to you as we were opening up here and 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 getting to know each other, Darshan, many of our, our listeners will have resonated with your work that we're going to talk about today. I just completed a four-part review of Jose Silva's popular book, The Silva Method, and it really dives deep into meditation and creativity and innovation. And then you sent me uh, an email and it had your travel vlog of your trip to the Himalaya mountains. And for someone who spends a lot of time in the mountains here in Arizona, I wondered what did it feel like to sit in those mountains 
And why do you think it would be different for someone to go there over any other mountain? Oh, fair enough. So it's, uh, yeah, him. Himalayas are definitely known for meditations, ashrams, the whole yoga side of things. It's uh, uh, if I if I just paint the picture in terms of what it was for me at that time, I was coming from a busy city job, was uh, finished university, uh, pretty hectic lifestyle, and then it's like a full full flip of the scale. It's uh, you're going from uh, fully engaged in external activity, and then uh, even if I tried to meditate. Whilst I was doing my city life, whilst I was uh, uh, just doing day-to-day activities in the UK, uh, meditating just used to turn into uh, thinking through the last two weeks or the next two weeks. It was so short. It was short-term thinking of the past and future. Now, in the Himalayas, I was able to do that with ease. I, I, it could it could be me making an excuse for the UK. It could also be just... Uh, the fact that I was uh, I was seeking it a bit harder, maybe in the in the Himalayas, but all I know there's there's something to do with nature. Now, uh, nature, even if you go to the forest, you feel a different vibe. If you if you go meditate next to a river, you feel a different vibe. Now, I'm in the Himalayas. That's for me. I was taught that this is the peak uh, for all forms of meditation. Now, uh, me going there, experiencing it firsthand. That's that's when I was left a bit speechless. I was I was meant to be making a vlog out there. I was meant to be saying, I was I was looking to give a lot of <laughs> a lot of detail. But as soon as I started, I kind of got lost for words. I was thinking, oh, what is what is going on? My my mind is is not as rushing with creative ideas as it was before. It's it's more stagnant still, and I almost forgot what to do with my mind when it's still. It's a uh, it's a different feeling, but uh, like I said, it's uh, everywhere you go, whichever form of nature you like to you like to connect with, you're always going to have that experience with that form of nature. Well, it was absolutely beautiful for me to watch your uh, trip to the Himalayas and and really imagining what it would be like, and especially for you know going back, thinking about when I began to meditate, like you said it was really difficult. Like I remember my girls were little and I could hear them running around screaming and I'm supposed (laughs) to sit still in one position. It was so challenging to just start to quiet down the mind. Do you have any tips before we go on to our questions of, you know, someone beginning and you've got that feeling. Like I remember it was hard work to do that. Oh, yeah. So this is, uh, I was... I've always gone into the whole line of Western versus Eastern psychology. Now, what's happened with uh, the West and East? We've we've turned in in the East. We've turned it a lot into uh, sessions. We've turned meditation into uh, somewhat. Let's, let's say we've turned it into a style of practice. Now, in the West, they connect it with your lifestyle. Now, if uh, if you know you're struggling to meditate, it might be because your lifestyle at that point. Is not is not connected with whatever you're meditating with, wow. and then if uh, if you are struggling to c- connect with meditation, there's also there's a lot of things that could help you disconnect with your external environment. Now, uh, when I was in the Himalayas, I'm looking to connect with my external environment. Now, as soon as I come back to the UK, I have to use the techniques of disconnecting with my external environment yeah. in order for me to be able to go inside. 
uh, as soon as I do, as soon as I do the disconnect, then, uh, then it's like, okay, I need to maybe disconnect and go back to the state that I was able to achieve in the Himalayas. So that's what we call memorizing a state. Now, if you're good at memorizing a state, the more you practice it, the more you could go back into that state a lot faster. So this is where this is where the hard work comes into it. This is where the regular daily practice. And yeah, if you've got a memorized state, it keeps you at a level. And then all you're looking to do is get further and further into a state. So uh, it, it stops you having to start all the way, all over again, every single time, that type of thing. Well, that makes a lot of sense why it's so difficult in your home life to suddenly say, okay, I'm going to take up meditation and you haven't had anyone to teach you this or tell you you've got to try to block out your environment. Or if I'm in the mountains, I've got to try to connect to my environment. That's a big So it's like uh, even when we're studying, some people like to study when they go to the library. And then there's other people they like to put on headphones and have the loudest music playing. It's uh, uh, people are actually, they know they've got a state that they like to use to focus. Some people discover it and other people just, they, they, keep, they keep working against it. It's like they're climbing uphill every time they want to use their mind. Now, uh, that was, not every, not every person that meditates can use the same state because everyone's got a different style. Now, I, for me, searching my style, that was a journey in itself. And then once I find my style, then actually having the discipline to implement it on a daily basis, that's... That's a whole. That's a whole other thing. So, yeah, it's uh, like I said, it's it's the whole journey. This is really good. I'm so glad that you're here right at this moment. So, I I mentioned the fact that we just covered Jose Silva's um his 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 book that was popular in the 1980s, and then I was listening to Dr. Andrew Huberman from Stanford, and he was connecting the science to meditation and how it helps with creativity. And I was like, yes, there's finally science we can grab onto. And he was actually talking about something called open monitoring meditation, where we just close our eyes and we pay, pay attention to our thoughts without judgments. And uh, so then he connected this to how this way of meditating can improve our divergent thinking, helping us to be more creative. Can you just explain why this open type meditation would help with creative ideas from your side? Oh, fair enough. So uh, uh, if I was, uh, in terms of the theory that I was taught about how the mind works, I was taught cold state and hot state. Now, uh, cold state is when you're sleeping, totally, uh, basically, is that the flat line? And then hot state is when you're angry, you're shouting, screaming. That's the hottest state. Now, if if you want to if you want to go between cold and hot, so cold is where you're slowly thinking. You're able to slow that down, and monitoring becomes a lot more natural. Now, when you're angry, let's say if someone said something to you, you're all you've got anger in you. You can't monitor anything. You're literally on reactive state. So you're just going out, you're just, uh, your body, you can't even control your body, you can't even monitor it. So if we were to deal with the states, so if I, if I want to, if I'm too cold, if I can't be bothered to do anything at the moment, I just need to warm it up a little bit. I could do, I could do the warm up exercises for my breathing, I could do it through physical exercise, 
I could do it through conversation. So that's just warming it up just a little bit. And that's when I know, okay, this is my right state. Let me do this type of meditation. Let me do this type of focusing. Uh, if I'm if I'm thinking too fast, if I've come from a busy day, then I need to do the whole cooling down type of type of work. So start cooling myself down, slow down the breathing. Then I could get into monitoring. Now, monitoring, if it slows down too much, I'll fall into the sleep side of things. If it warms up too much, I'll I will get creative. So it's just about you, even when you're creative, you're creating one idea. What's to stop you being overly short-term creative and starting creating new ideas upon the idea which leads you off track. So this is where we say, uh, do you know how to lock an idea in? So uh, when I'm meditating, let's just say I want to focus on one thing. That's what I've locked in. So now once I've locked something in, my job is just to process it through my thinking until I don't even need to think and I'm just focused on that one thing. So it's, uh, yeah, it's according to the theory, I was always taught, taught cold state, hot state. Where are you? Where do you want to go to? How do you want to manage your state, essentially? So just because I've not done it this way, when I go into my meditation and it's a open, I'm just trying to think of what I'm going to create. I've got to know my state, whether I need to calm myself down a bit or what was the other one? I, I know, I know oh, the Pete, yourself. One. Yeah. So myself get, up. Yeah. Hi. It's always uh, oh, fascinating. It's uh, there's plenty of uh, uh, in yoga. If you go to a yoga session, they normally start off with jumping around, get your get your blood warmed up, and then they'll do a bit of uh, a bit of stretching. Then by the end of the yoga session, you've gone all the way down to mellow. So you've raised your energy, you've used the energy, sent it all into your body, and then by the end of it, you're able to fully relax. Uh, after that, you could put your mind anywhere. You could send it to any thought. You could send it in, send it out. It's whatever you want to do, but you're in control after. So it's uh, yeah, finding finding your gap of where you are in control. That's that's kind of that's kind of the art of what we uh, what we do essentially. This is brilliant. This is really good. So when when I was watching your video of you in the Himalayas, it was absolutely beautiful. I noticed the monk and he was sitting a certain way, you know, like <laughs> crossed and, and he was touching his first two fingers. You know, people often think of someone meditating this way. And Jose Silva talked about this method of getting power or energy from the fingers in this way. Can you explain why monks sit in that position <laughs> and oh. why does, th does it have something to do with creativity? Oh, so your, uh, science is science is going to back it, but it's just whether they've looked into it to the level that the that the yogis in the East have looked into it. So, if you were to do creative meditation, we believe you put your hands like this and put them on your lap. If you wanted to do uh, through your chakras, so the chakra system, you just use your finger, keep it one millimeter away from that chakra, and then you can send your energy to that spot. It's like uh, just example sake, uh, if someone uh, if someone was to flick you at any point in your body, your attention goes there. So same thing, you could do that to yourself. Just hold uh, uh, hold your finger just one millimeter away from wherever you want to send the concentration in your body, 
and your concentration will go there. Now, if you want to keep your mind uh, mind energized without this finger being being touched anywhere else in your body, so the distraction doesn't go, what we do, we loop it. So you've looped you've looped the energy, and now it will stay inside of you uh, instead of going out elsewhere. So it's it's like that concept. Wherever your point is, what you're focusing on. So now we're just sending it back in. So when I do that, I can actually feel like a warmth, like you can feel the energy flowing. So you're saying we could direct that energy to wherever we want it. Oh, so yeah, when you're meditating, it's uh, <clears throat> that whole concept of energy. Your mind is doing what your mind is doing, but is your body supporting it? Now, uh, depending on what type of meditation you want to do, uh, you could do uh, thumb to first finger. And then uh, a lot of the time I do uh, middle uh, middle finger, middle section. Uh, it's all depending on the type of meditation we're going for. So, yeah, it's, uh, uh, there's, uh, if you look at the, how much detail uh, the yogis go in, even a lot of the Eastern philosophies, the Shaolin monks, uh, and if you go into the Buddhist theories, uh, we believe each finger is for earth, water, fire, air, and space. So uh, whichever power you need at that time, you'll be activating each of those energies accordingly. Well, this is more in depth than I thought. Here. <laughs> so, so this brings in your life as a monk. So you spent nine months as a monk, is that right? <clears throat> oh, so yeah, the, the story goes, I was uh, traditionally, my family, they pushed me to become an IT engineer. So that was 2009. I was doing a lot of courses. And then I went out to India. I met a yogi. He was 60 years old at the time. And I was fully convinced that psychology is the way I want to go. So he told me, go back, do your psychology degree, then come back to me and we'll train together. So I done the, <clears throat> spent five years studying psychology. And in my head, the whole time, it was set that after I finished my degree, I'm going back to India. I'm going to spend a year with this yogi. I want to go back to India, spend a year as a monk, do whatever. But one, study up as hard as I can, then go back to India. So psychology felt a lot easier to me. <clears throat> Even whilst I was studying, just, just I, was, I was really clued on with it. Uh, but my, the yogi, he didn't tell me anything for five years. He never, he, never let me, he never let me learn from him for those five years whilst I was at university. As soon as I finish university, I go to India and oh boy, the, me and him, we sparked off conversation. I was going, I was, I was thinking I'm the one with the degree and he's just a yogi. So I thought, let me, let me teach him something. So oh, that's funny. Uh, yeah. yeah, that did, that did not go well at all. So yeah, he, he, he was having me at every theory that I could uh, conjure up every, it's, it was the kind of questioning. So uh, he knew I had questions. He would let me ask them. And then he would question whether my question is even valid. So just topic of happiness, he was telling me, I was like, so you've detached yourself, you've done this, you're living as a yogi, so what's to say you're even happy? Then he was to say, what's to say I even know what happiness is? And then, <laughs> then he'll go off into my life, he'll say, uh, why do you do the things that you do? You don't even question what you do. You study psychology, but you never learn how to understand what's going on in your mind whilst you're doing something. So wow. lesson number one, understand what's going in your mind, going on in your mind whilst you're doing 
anything and everything. So started that, did a little practicals. And then uh, <clears throat> my first trip was only three months. So he taught me a lot. I went back to the UK and I was just overloaded with, with all these theories, with concepts, with questions. I practiced that. And two years later, I didn't really perform too well in the UK. So everything that happened, I wasn't performing at my peak. I was a lot of confusion going on. Then I went back to India. Uh, I went back to India out of literally coming out of form of depression. It's not, it's not extreme depression, but my most depressed state I've ever been in my life. And then went back to the same yogi. He said, hey, what's, what's happened to you? You're, you're empty. There's, uh, I can't even do anything. You lost all the power, all the energies. All... So then he put me into a routine. Six months of of proper proper applying every theory possible, pretty strict. No talking to anyone. Get on with your meditation practice. Uh, waking up three a.m. Uh, get get on with the day. Study heavy. Then six months, I got myself rejuvenated. My literally everything just felt alive. I was able to able to absorb information as and as and when it's happening in real time. I wasn't really thinking off topic. Uh, just going with. My diet was really good at that time. My yoga practice, really good. Concentration levels just for naturally, it was just there. So that's what the aim of the game, whilst you're a monk, is self-mastery. So I was on my path to self-mastery. And then, then I studied psychology again from this yogi. And this was heavy. This was six hours a day sitting in one place, just Q&A. My brain used to be so, I couldn't. I forgot how to tell my legs how to walk. That's that's yeah. how much. Oh yeah, that is. It was it was the most intense, tense learning experience of my life. And uh, he was he was sixty six at that time. So yeah, he was, I was I was trained trained under the whip, as it was called. So yeah, full <laughs> discipline and yeah, this, oh yeah, that was uh, that was hard. I was trained in sleep. I was trained in what is the fort? How long does the fort last? Where does it come from? Where does it end? And then you will go into uh, how does your arm know what it needs to do when it needs to do it? How does meditation work? What happens at a deeper level? What is uh, what does focusing even mean? And then focusing in a in a form of focusing without having to think. So a lot of theories just kept studying, kept studying. Uh, I was I was driven essentially. I was, I knew what it's like not to know this stuff. I knew what it's like to know it in the wrong way. And then I knew <laughs> I knew that, okay, this is I need to latch on to all of this and keep keep the studying going so yeah that was uh that was the second time i went to india for three months and then uh one year after that since then i've always been in i like to think in really good form really good shape I was able, my life just is i i memorized that state essentially so everything after that is just about topping up that state and then the year after i went for another three months and that's when i did the himalayas that's when i done the touring that's when that's when I've done a lot more practicals and yeah, just uh, uh, just learned to enjoy everything that I learned. So the third, the last time, it was just about okay. I know this stuff now. Start living it. The century. This is good. <laughs> now we all can't go and be a monk for for that amount of time like you did. And it's it's bringing back some memories for me because we've got this family friend. Um, it's a friend of my husband's. We call him a a family friend, but he's not related. And he would go off and do these types of, of trips. And then uh, on his way back, he would come stay at the house. 
And it was always interesting because he would always make comments of things that he would see we were attached to, I guess, because, you know, he would he would watch my practice getting up and and give me tips and things, but without saying anything. And he would say, you know, why do you go hiking every day? Uh, You know, could you take a day where you just sit at home? I'm like, no, I couldn't just sit in one spot and and call it quits and say, so can you just bring in maybe what he might've been noticing about (laughs) my routine with being attached to things being a certain way? What would he be trying to get me to do? Oh, yeah. So uh, uh, it sounds like he was just trying to get you to be more more aware of everything that you're doing. So uh, yeah, that's, uh, that is definitely rule number one. (laughs) When you're you're out in the East and you think, uh, are you, uh, you're not going to question uh, you're not going to even ask the right questions until you start doing some noticing work. So yeah. there's there's uh, most of the questions that we ask, we've noticed something about other people or we've noticed a trend in the news or we've noticed something externally. So let's ask about it. That's what the habit that we're trained to practice. Okay, I've learned something at school. I've learned something in this book. Let's question what I've learned on the external. Uh, and then out there, the first thing you're doing is questioning yourself but by the questions you ask the yogi will know how self-aware you are so if yeah. uh, if i'm just asking a habitual question okay why have i got this habit well they they know this is your level of depth when uh, even in your knowledge or even in your practice so that's what i noticed as soon as i went there okay i'm i'm running through the questions they they know the simple answer just do this do that but the practicals that they were giving me, I used to think, okay, what am I going to do doing this practical? Uh, I'm just sitting there doing nothing, that type of thing. I want to be asking questions. That was my stubbornness. So to get that kicked out of me, they used to give me practices. As soon as I do that practice, I start having the realization. Then I start questioning into those realizations. But the way these yogis are, just uh, depends. Uh, uh, they could have a laugh at you. They could... <laughs> Uh, they've got personalities as well so then yeah I, I, had a, I had a big personality on me as well so then yeah the uh, the banter's there the experience is there but the seriousness it comes through the more I used to practice the more I used to practice the more I used to dig into it the better the questions the deeper the questions then the easier my practice used to be so making my practice easier and deeper that was the aim of the game it's the same thing with yourself uh, if you know someone that's been to the uh, been to the Himalayas or the children of the yogis, essentially, your job is to really uh, find out the questions they ask themselves. If you start finding out the questions they ask themselves, uh, the way they think to themselves, you're going to realize the depth of their practice. Is it's uh, that's I I used to love it. I used to love doing this every evening. Find a yogi, sit with him, find out what's going on. I was I was a 230 individuals there, 230 yogis. Uh, all day, day out. Uh, when they dance, they dance like they've never danced before. When they uh, when they eat, it's like it's like sophisticated processes in their life, and uh, all of that. It just used to add up questions for me. So I had plenty of people to ask my questions to. I had plenty of time to do my practice, and uh, and I had individuals that they started to study me uh, from day one all the way, and till this day, yeah, I still still have my training calls so yeah it's uh 
Wow. Like I said, uh, is is the journey. It is the journey. And it's funny because as, as we're talking, I've always been that way with people. I always have a million questions for people. And this is years before I did podcasting and people would always say, stop interviewing me. Like, why do you have like a thousand questions? I mean, I just like learning from people. Um, but I never thought of questioning my friend when he was at the house. So I'm going to have to turn <laughs> the tables around and throw some questions back next time he's here. Um, oh but, yeah, this uh, is this is what they do. You would ask them a question, and then they'll throw a deep question back. So that's uh, yeah. our jobs to make sure the questions are going towards them. That's when uh, it's mm. uh, you start finding out they've got they've got a whole whole deep deep experience <laughs> just oh. hidden within them, just waiting for someone to question it. Yeah. Oh, I missed that opportunity. I'll have to get it <laughs> next time. It's good. Um, so we have talked about the open monitoring meditation where you just, without judgment, look at your thoughts. And then you talked us now about the focused meditation when you were studying to be a monk. And um, I've actually seen this. Um, it was, I was asking some of the people I know that study this deep years ago, how to improve concentration. And they would say, just stare at the flame of a candle and do it for a long time until you and the, the candle become one kind of thing. Um, so then Dr. Huberman mentioned this as a type of meditation to improve convergent thinking. So the narrowing of your thoughts, um, which is nice again to bring the science. So can you explain what you know about focused meditation and the results that you've gotten from narrowing your focus in this way? Oh, fair enough. Yeah, so yeah, now now we're talking. Oh, the whole meditation topic. So uh, essentially, once you've got, once you've, once you are in your state that you want to, that you want to use to guide your meditation, uh, doing the frame. The frame is a good one. Uh, it depends. Like I said, it's uh, uh, how deep you want to go, what you want to get to. So uh, I'm heavily on the soul-based uh, meditation. So I'm always looking. Get get to the level of where the soul is, and then uh, then meditation becomes a, a a living experience essentially. So the same way I'm walking and talking right now, I could be doing that whilst I'm sitting down, just on the level of uh, being with the soul. Now finding the soul, that soul comes after all the distractions essentially. So uh, the yogis I used to uh, train with, they uh, they took me to the state, but to, I couldn't stay there because I've still got a lot of distractions that keep popping up. So I'll get to the state, but something will come, interrupt me, and then I'll go, go running back wherever, wherever the distraction was. So that's the life of a yogi. They externally, they don't have any distractions. They stop, they cut off all ties with money, wealth, this, this and that, all the activities. So they cut off all the external distractions. Then when going in, uh, they're pretty free. They could just access whatever they need to access. Me, uh, I learned that it's worth it. I learned that there's a state to get to that's so uh, passionately happy uh, that it's, it's worth doing day in, day out uh, uh, efforts just for that. Uh, once I got there, that's when I felt that, okay, I've got a state. I know where I need to get to. So every time I'm practicing, meditate on that state, uh, get myself into that state, and then focus on whatever I want to focus on. 
if you're focusing on happiness, if you're focusing on a creative thing, you're going to find it because your mind will do the work the necessary uh, whilst you're in that state. Uh, but we, uh, when it comes to focusing on uh, a candle, uh, the flame, that's what we're using as a form of heat. So light is all is all is all more more warm uh, type of meditation. Then there's cooling type of meditation for peacefulness. So that's when we look at the moon or uh, we could go inside, essentially. So uh, one meditation that a lot of the people in my community, <coughs> uh, it's a lot easier than, if, uh, than you would think, but it's one that's the most powerful that I found is with your left eye, you meditate on the moon, with the right eye, meditate on the sun. You'll feel the temperature change and then you could uh, change it around. Uh, by the time you've done that, your focus is all gone inside uh, already. And then, uh, if you do need to focus on a certain thing, you can send your you can send your consciousness that way. So that's uh, yeah. If we if we were to talk about the whole practice, uh, first thing, like I said, find your find your style of going into a state. Once you find your style of going into a state, uh, use these focusing techniques and yeah, uh, drive yourself uh, whichever direction you want to go. Oh, interesting, because um, so let me bring some application to this. So, um, you know, I've got I've got two girls and they're in competitive gymnastics. And so they were at a meet one day and then this YouTube celebrity walks past the, the outside. Every single gymnast lost focus in, in the meet and they're looking at, oh, look who's there, look who's there. And I thought I've got to work on focus with my daughter and the only activity I knew was staring at the flame so now I'm trying to get my 12 year old to do this activity how would you teach this to <laughs> someone else without them saying because because it took some time it, you don't just say sit down stare at the flame in 10 minutes you're done I, I think enough. it took me a few hours until I got what I was supposed to get and maybe it could have been much longer if I had gone deeper <laughs> How would you oh, do that? Yeah, that's a, that is a big topic. So uh, especially with the younger gen. So uh, there's this, uh, there's these two big forces within inside of us. So there's, uh, uh, you can say the mind and then you can say the heart. So practice without, with the absence of love is always going to be a lot harder. So uh, in the case of your daughters, they had passion towards uh, the YouTuber. So the, uh, the passion will take your concentration with it. So it's just, if you've got a passion for so, certain something, if you develop that passion with the application of uh, mental techniques, that's going to, it's like double speed. It's two, two forces joining together. But as soon as you separate that, if you, if you tell uh, a child to stop having passion towards something and try to concentrate on schoolwork, it's, uh, uh, you've, kind of, you've kind of made them work against their passions. Now, so uh, if you find the the middle way, find a way to put the two together, find a way to increase passion towards what they're focusing on, and then use techniques to increase that focus, you you're going double the speed. Uh, that's uh, yeah. With with the next gen, uh, you always got to uh, you always got to increase that that passion towards something. If you do that from a young age, they end up becoming the celebrities of the future because yeah, passion. Uh, passions of unrecognized forces just yeah you can't can't stop someone that's got the heavy level of passion 
Very true. Absolutely. So, um, so you're helping people change their results and habits fast. Like if I go to your website, um, you've got a lot on there for changing habits and we're starting a new year. What would you say would be something to help someone understand their brain and their mind with regards to the results they want next year? Oh, fair enough. So it's a, you've got an external and internal response to a habit. So if you've got an external habits to say uh, you always uh, maybe tea, coffee, it could be uh, a certain thing that you do when you wake up, it might be checking your phone too often, external habits. And then you've got internal uh, habits as such. You might have a habit of uh, thinking a certain way about certain things. You might have a, a routine that you need to do, or you might have maybe food that you don't like, all on an internal level. So uh, tracking internal, external habits and starting to manipulate them, that's, that's, where, that's where the pace would come into it. So that's when you're going to start making real transformation a lot faster. So if you match them two up, so let's say if you want more energy in your day, you know you're going to have to do a lot of habit manipulation to start getting more energy in your day. It might be from the time of time you wake up, from the, uh, you might be doing stuff that's draining your energy, or you might be doing stuff that's not really uh, making you more energetic. So you're doing all these habit, habit manipulations for a certain result that you want out of your life. It's like uh, you've, got, you've got the whole machines, whatever you put in is what you get out. So same thing with our day. Uh, any, any result that you want, you're going to get there through changing your habits. That's pretty much all it takes. So even if you want a more financially, uh, more wealthier lifestyle, you're, you're actually looking to change your habits and you're going to get that result. Same thing if you want a healthier lifestyle, if you want more energy, if you want more focus, whatever it is, all we're doing is habit manipulation, internal, external habits to make sure each one aligns to the goal that you want. So yeah, just whichever goal that you want, identify all your internal, external habits and let's start manipulating them to give you that result. And that's, like I said, that's where the pace comes in. That's where you're going to get a lot more speed towards that, that desired outcome. And what's amazing is when you're tracking this, you can see I changed this habit and this was the result. And it's not just a coincidence. You know, it's as a result of changing the habit, right? Oh, yeah. I, like I said, yeah, I had, to, I had to learn that the hard way. To be honest, I had a, I was coming with many, many habits to, when I went where, went into the monastery, when living as a monk, ooh, many habits that... So uh, even the way I eat, uh, the style, style of food I eat, uh, uh, well, style of waking up, style of going to sleep, style of breathing, all of these, all habits. So uh, all of them had to change. Uh, I remember the first, uh, I spoke to the most senior yogi. He said, uh, first thing you do when you come here, you learn to do everything again. So you learn to walk again, you learn to breathe again, you learn to eat again, you learn to read again, you learn to ask uh, questions again, you learn it all again. So... So all these habits that uh, when you want to when you want to literally align yourself to something, all you're doing is aligning your habits. Your your habits uh, will take your mind with it, and all of a sudden your mind is working in in that direction because the mind is always chasing habits essentially. Yeah, 
Well, let's bring it into mental health because we talked about that when when you first sent me your introduction, because this is something you're really focused on. Um, How are you helping people to handle stress and emotional stability, addictions, confidence, self-esteem? Like we could just (laughs) keep listing everything on your website. What are you doing for that? How are you bringing this on? So uh, as a psychologist, I don't really go into uh, the whole externals. So no matter what situation anyone's going through, my job is to identify what's going on in their mind. If I identify that, I could do the tweaking work. I'll support them with the same way I was trained. I was trained by the right theory with the right practicals, uh, something like depression. Uh, what? Uh, how, is the, how is the depression currently playing out in their life? Is it, is it through facial expressions? Is it through decision-making? Is it through free anticipated failures? Is it through remembering the past, I'm looking at what the mind is doing. Once I find out what the mind is doing, my job is to go in there, realign it, send it in the way that we need to, that we need to send it for peak performance. Same thing, uh, it could be with anxiety. What's going on in the mind at the time of anxiety? It relays in various different forms. If I was to go out and try fix it from an external, be doing a lot of work. Oh yeah, in that situation, you need to think like this, you need to do this, it's a, uh, but really, there's a process going on in the mind. If we latch onto that, uh, we could use it for them. Because right now, it's working against them. Uh, my first example, uh, that when I got into taking on clients, first example, it was an individual that she never liked to be told what to do. That's all it was. As soon as she starts getting told what to do, uh, she will do totally opposite or refute, or uh, it could be... It can be substantial stubbornness that will kick in. Uh, all we had to do is use that same thing. Caveat on, I don't need to change it. I'm just going to use it for other things. So instead of other people telling you what to do, why don't you just tell yourself what to do? Get super stubborn about that and let's go. Let's get on with your life, that type of thing. Uh, oh, that's, the short, yeah. that's the short story. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, expand it out. And yeah, this is, this is essentially what I do as a practice. I, I find out what's going on in the mind. If I could, I could do it in a short space of time, but people don't feel, uh, uh, people also, they have a habit of snapping back into what they've always done. So yeah. that's why uh, if we work at a deeper level and we work a bit harder, we got more discipline, we get, we get faster results. And if you do it in this way, people, they forget why they even used to mess up before, why they even used to have the trip ups, because We've done it in such a natural way. Now they're naturally thinking in a different way. They're naturally using a different style. So like uh, I had a gambling uh, client for gambling. So uh, no matter how much money they earn, at the end of the month, within two days, it'll all be spent on some sort of gambling. So I had to look into what type of gambling is it? Is it short term? Is it clever based? Is it something that it uses a lot of the mind, mental energy, or is it just passion based? So find out it's... Uh, heavily intellectual short short term i just used that put it into another thing uh we told him to start learning how to do day trading he doesn't care about the money he cares about how much his intellect is being challenged so all we need to do is find a way to challenge his intellect with short-term results coming through uh i don't do the work of finding that i told him to give me a list of 50 ways he could do that out of 50 all he needs to do is use one essentially but Writing the list of 50, he knows that is impossible for him to 
to need any other answer in his life. So gambling stops by default because he's got 50 other things to do. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, so it's, uh, yeah, the mind. It's playing with the mind, reworking it, yeah. Gosh, I've got so many more questions, but I wonder (laughs) just from the questions I came up with, I I wonder what, what do you think about what you've seen from me with the podcast and the direction? What kinds of thoughts are you coming up with um, just from the topics I'm covering, I wondered. Oh, so yeah, inquisitive. So your 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 way of uh, your way of wanting to learn more. That's uh, that's genius. It's uh, this is uh, any uh, anyone that's in our field. They've all started in this way of asking someone else for that advice or asking someone for that insights, and they keep learning. They keep learning. Your 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 <laughs> the amount you learn within one hour of uh, of a discussion with the people that you interview. It's uh, uh, probably uh, much more productive than even reading that many books, uh, that type of thing, because your conversation style, your actual willingness, willingness to pick up on a piece of com- conversation and question into that, that's where we, that's where we get the depth. When reading a book, uh, we get the information, but we can't dig into that depth uh, because there's no, there's no Q and A as such. So. In your in your style, if you if you start underlining points that you want to dig into a bit more, you're going to start finding there's something common in everything that you're underlining. There's a middle there's a middle gap. So what is your what is your central topic that you that resonates with you the most essentially? Now, uh, just from underlining all these, so I've I've got uh, we've got we've got an ancient text. Uh, I read that and I do my underlining. Then I would. Uh, then I'll start thinking, okay, there's something common in everything that I've underlined. It's always, it's pretty much always leading to a certain topic. Now, once I find out that topic, then when I ask the right person about that topic, oh, wow, yeah, that's, uh, that's me coming alive. <laughs> Otherwise, I've, I've had a discussion of many other topics I've forgotten a lot of this stuff. But my central topic, whenever I hit that topic, whenever... Uh, whenever I find people that resonate with me on that topic, it's uh, instant connection, essentially. So, yeah, for you, uh, when you find your central topic, uh, it's uh, it might be seasonal. Uh, that's not a problem in itself. Uh, but there's that central topic. You're uh, you're going to be the one advising me about that central topic after. So that's that's how powerful it becomes. I wonder if I know what it is, or if I have to keep. <laughs> keep doing more interviews to figure it out. But I feel yeah. like that, that these interviews are all to help people and myself yeah. be a better person than I was yesterday. I think that's like, a, that's the biggest topic and whether it's Ooh, health. So what's your version of better? Now? Yeah. Yeah, that's, <laughs> oh, I, I love it. This is what I do. So I pick up on these words. So <laughs> what's your version of better? Oh no, <laughs> now, now we're going to go in a circle. Um, yeah, it just, and then I go to happiness. What's your version of happiness? <laughs> Happier, healthier, you know. Yeah, uh, enough. So better, it's, uh, there's, uh, there's plenty of ways. It's uh, everyone's, uh, the, more, the more vague you keep these certain words, uh, the harder it is to do your tracking process. So uh, for, for some people, better is easier. So if they think uh, whatever they're doing, they're doing uh, is causing a lot of uh, distress. If you if you turn if you turn down the difficulty on their life, they think their life is better right now. 
So maybe handling kids, if you teach them some techniques, you teach them a way to focus, a lot of the things have gone easier for them. Therefore, they feel their life is better. Now, there's other people that think if you make something more challenging, then it's better. So it's, uh, it's, always, it's always about yeah. finding out what's your take on the word better. Uh, the more detail you've got on it, the easier tracking becomes. That's, a, a, that's, that's an instant win, essentially. Uh, if I find out someone saying the word always, they're always stressed, always this, uh, all I need to do is put tracking on the word always. So how often is this two times a day, just before lunch, whenever it is, I've put tracking on that word always, and now going into the life, doing any changes is a lot easier. You can track it and get the instant change. So for you, yeah, it's uh, the word better. <laughs> you want to make someone's life better every day. Put some tracking on that word, and uh, yeah, you'll uh, uh, you'll start digging into a lot more theories just just because you know exactly what impact you want to have on uh, have on people. And then if I take that productivity, same thing, right? Improve productivity. Oh, that's a that's super vague word. Yeah, productivity is uh, as vague as it gets. I think it's uh, <laughs> how do you? Oh boy, yeah. So yeah, productivity could be a financial figure uh, to some people. It could also be how many miles someone wants to run in a certain amount of time, and it could also be uh, how many things off their tick list they do within a space of an hour. So you don't need to be productive all day long now that you know the, what the word productive means. So uh, otherwise, it puts too much stress on someone's mind to think of the word productivity. Then it's just, oh, how do I make my whole life productive? And then, then they're just putting failure on top of the mind. It's uh, oh. weigh them down. Okay, I'll stick with better. <laughs> Way easier. Well, um, Darshan, this has been phenomenal. I had no idea we were going to go this deep. Is there something important that I've missed asking you that you think you'd like to share as we come to a close here? No, it's uh, it is the the depth of this topic. So the topic of the mind, topic of life, all deep, deep topics. So the way I I work in this field is I was always taught to find the reason for the reason. So. Uh, uh, if, if I need to lie about something, I know why I lied about it. But why does lying even exist in my life? That type of thing. That's the reason behind the reason. If I start getting into a habit of looking for the reason behind the reason, then uh, then finding knowledge, then asking the right questions at the right time, uh, knowing what to say to individuals, even whilst they're talking to me, I can know, I could identify the reason why they're saying what they're saying. But the reason for them to even want to be saying that, that's that's just that one level deeper. So that's what I do as deep psychology. That's what I like to promote. That's the type of content I'm going to be looking to start getting out there as well. Uh, right now it's going to be for YouTube, but essentially that's that's deep psychology. So that's the way I was taught. And I feel it could just make things a lot easier when people get a lot clearer, clearer with the understanding of what's going on. If you've got that clarity, you've kind of got the power. Yeah, clarity is all that we, it's a huge one to start the new year with, especially. Be clear about our direction, where we're going, what we're doing. And we have the clarity, but I'm, I'm sure you can break that down too, right? Yeah, yeah, that's that's what the, the difference between Western and Eastern psychology is. The difference essentially is in the West, you would study uh, people and then you would categorize 
what you've studied as this is the effect of uh, this is the effect and the response essentially in the west we are just taught to just know what's going on right now and that's your psychology so if you know what's going on right now if you're able to even look at that that's your psychology we could put that into a theory we could put that into a habit we could put that into a pattern but that is you that's your psychology now we're all taught that level in yoga in, in most uh, schools of eastern psychology we're just all taught that first step just know what's going on then you could use that to manipulate your externals that you could use if you if you do the whole self mastery you'll be able to advise someone else on their journey of self mastery as well so that's that's the main differences uh, the whole external and internal approach well darshan i want to thank you so much for reaching out to me at the right time when i was <laughs> trying to dig deeper into this and your video on the himalayas was absolutely beautiful it was a breath of fresh air at the time just when i needed it so i know there's so much you can offer people with your services on wellness and health and deep psychology we've gone really deep here and i think i could talk to you for days on this <laughs> um so your website i'll put all the links in the show notes it's deeppsych.com is that correct yeah yeah perfect i'll put all that yeah. and and for uh, people to go to your youtube because you've got a lot of videos that really um show the amount of work you've done on this topic i'll put all the links to, for people to subscribe to your youtube follow you and just keep learning from you i've learned so much in this short time thank you so much oh, for this yeah i really appreciate it and maybe uh we could take you out to the himalayas one day give me uh oh, let me know when it's good for you i uh, would love that that would just be something i would want to do absolutely thank you oh, so much yeah perfect ah yes ah yeah thanks for that thank you absolutely if you're enjoying the Neuroscience Meets Social and Emotional Learning podcast, please don't forget to subscribe so you'll stay up to date with our new episodes. While you're there, please feel free to give us a review or a five-star rating as it helps others find us. For more information on our programs, books, and tools for schools and the workplace, visit us at www.achieveit360.com.